Are you stressed out trying to grow your business? Are you just like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to do so many things and I'm trying to juggle everything and I just feel like, ah, like I want to scream into a pillow. If that is you, you're going to love today's episode. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to share with you today's guest because we had such a fantastic conversation about being an entrepreneur, what the journey has looked like as a podcaster and growing an online business, and I just can't wait to share with you today's episode. So let's get right to it. Welcome to The Profit Podcast, where we teach entrepreneurs how to start, launch, and market their podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Profit, and I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for hanging out with me today, because if you've been trying to figure out the world of podcasting, think of this show as the time-saving shortcut you've been looking for. So let's get right to it, shall we? Okay, so today's guest, we just had so much fun chatting. I spoke to... Rachel Cook recently, and we just had so much fun, and I got so much out of this conversation. Like, I felt like we were on a straight up coaching call, and she was just dropping all kinds of wisdom that I think that you will find so important to your own journey. So, we talk to entrepreneurs on this podcast, right? Like, this is either a podcast that is helping you grow your online business or maybe help you transfer from having a nine to five to having your own thing that you can call your own, or maybe you're just dabbling, right? I know some of y'all, like you're trying to fit all the puzzle pieces together and decide on which strategies work best for you. Well, you are going to love today's guest. So Rachel Cook is an award-winning business strategist, host of the Promote Yourself to CEO podcast, and best-selling author who's on a mission to end entrepreneurial poverty for women. So over the last 10 years, she's helped thousands of female entrepreneurs design predictably profitable businesses without the hustle and burnout that doing hashtag all the things inevitably accomplishes. Her real passion, though, is supporting savvy, soulful women as they implement the strategy, systems, and support to uncomplicate their business so they can work less and live more. I know, you're excited. You're you're totally like, you're in. You're like, yes, this is me. Or maybe you're like, I'm not a female entrepreneur, but this sounds like a great conversation. I promise you will want to hear Rachel's story for her podcast journey alone because she's actually been doing this longer than I have. And I love it whenever I get a chance to ask podcasters what their journey has been like. So here's my conversation with Rachel Cook. All right, Profit Podcast listeners, I'm so excited to introduce you to Rachel. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks for having me, Crystal. I'm so excited to dive in today. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. We were chatting before we hit record and I was like, uh, Rachel was telling me about her podcast experience and all the fun things that she's done in the past. We were talking about equipment. I was like, wait, 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 hang on. We have to like, we have to share this with the listeners because they want to know all of these things. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got into all the things that you're doing today? 
Sure. So this would be a really long story. So I'll try to give you the short and sweet version, which is um, 13 years ago, I left corporate consulting where I was working with small businesses in that they were under 500 employees and, um, you know, really more medium, mid-sized businesses. Um, But I burned out really hard in the traditional um, consulting world. It was just working 75, 80 hours a week, a lot of travel. And I got to the point where I realized I couldn't do this anymore. It was actually bad for my health to be on the road and not to have a life at all. So I did something that everybody in my family thought was insane. I took a leave of absence from my job. I took medical leave, um, which means I was on disability for three months because my burnout was so bad. I was in such poor health at that point. And I ended up on a yoga mat um, in addition to going to see all these doctors trying to figure out why I was struggling so much and became really good friends with my yoga teacher. And as I got to talking with her, she said, Rach, I know you don't really want to go back to work. Do you think you could help me figure out how to keep this studio alive? I think I'm going to have to shut it down soon. And it was like that light bulb moment for me that, oh, there's this whole world of micro owner operated businesses that are truly small businesses. It's like the owner is the singular employee for the entire show. Um, and if they have some people helping them or some people that work for them, it's, it's really small, like under 10 employees. And I realized, oh, these are people who don't have access to someone with my background or experience, um, who can help them with the strategy and the marketing and the sales and customer experience and all of that. So that kicked off my journey as an entrepreneur. I started my first business as the Yogipreneur, where I helped yoga business owners and entrepreneurs with their business. And it was very much an organic growth because in 2008, um, there were five people online who were doing anything specifically for yoga business owners. And so it started to grow pretty organically for me. And as time went on, I started finding more and more people would find me who weren't just yoga teachers. They were saying, I'm a yoga teacher and I'm a life coach. I'm a creative. I'm a photographer. Or I'd get people who are saying, hey, I'm not a yoga teacher at all, but I love what you're talking about. And they were finding me because of my podcast and other online marketing things I had. So I started expanding out and just went under my name, Rachel Cook. And more recently in the last year, we've kind of shifted in a whole new direction, really empowering women entrepreneurs to promote themselves to CEO by launching the CEO Collective, whereas where I help women entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses without the hustle and burnout. That's so awesome. Oh my gosh. Like I have so many questions about your journey because it's just, it's so awesome when I, I hear, you know, the impactful message that you have to share today, but it didn't start there. I think that so many people listening are like, oh, well, she just knew as soon as she graduated <laughs> college, like this was the thing, this was the one thing. And so I love to hear people's backstory of like, well, actually, um, I found myself on a yoga mat and things just kind of, you know, and I'm sure that there was this like aha moment that you're like, wait. I could use all the things that I know. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like whenever you were like, wait, this could be a thing for me because I had a similar experience where I started staying at home and then I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think a lot of my starting my business was very tied in with my own personal, you know, recovery from burnout journey because 
I had to unlearn a lot of what I thought I was supposed to do. I was the typical like type A overachiever, really hard worker, finished college by 20, finished my MBA by 22. Like I was really like off on this rocket ship trajectory of my life. Um, And I never questioned it because my whole life up until that point, I had a lot of people who were like patting me on the back and telling me how awesome I was for being so smart, (laughs) but never once asked myself, like, what is it that I really want? What really matters to me other than, you know, being smart and being a straight A student. Um, So for me sitting on that point in my life where I was literally, I mean, this is for me, this was my rock bottom, even though it was like, anxiety and panic attack type of rock bottom, because that made me reckon with myself. Like, what is my version of success? Really? What really matters to me? Do I want to spend the rest of my life, not having a life, not spending time with my family and friends, not being able to even work with people I enjoyed? I can't tell you how much it is. It's just terrible to work with people in a corporate setting. And you're like, these people are terrible, toxic people. I don't want to be here. Um, So for me, it was a lot of me going on this journey. I mean, the time that I was in that medical leave, I was on a yoga mat every day. I was working with a therapist. I was working with a life coach. I went away on a personal development retreat. I was exploring like alternative natural healing modalities because I knew I didn't want to just be on a handful of medication my entire life. And yes, I do take medication for my anxiety. But I mean, at that point, I was like, there's got to be something else that I can do that's going to help me feel like I'm living my life in alignment, not just with what I heard other people tell me I should do. So yeah, a lot of it has come from um, me knowing like I have this amazing skill set and realizing there's other people who need it but people who I actually enjoy working with people who I believed in their mission because I could see the impact it made for me. That was hugely transformational. And actually I have to say, Oh, even now I have so many clients now who are yoga teachers or holistic healthcare practitioners or life coaches or relationship coaches or parenting coaches. Like I use services from all these different types of people because I know how incredible these things are. Um, and so for me, that was huge. Just knowing that I could help people I actually care about and I actually believe in their mission. That was a game changer. That's alignment. And that's a huge part of what I teach. Oh, that's so good. Oh, it's so good because I have people that will come to me often, you know, they're excited to start a podcast or they're thinking about starting this business and they're talking about all the things kind of like what you were talking about, like, you know, and I totally relate to being straight A student, the overachiever. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram three. Like, this is me. You know, it's like, me too. Me too. Like this. <laughs> so I get it. I get you on a real deep level of how that is, but you kind of get on this path. You're like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Or maybe this is what I went to school for. Maybe mm-hmm. someone's listening and they're like, I went to law school and I have this law in, you know, or I have this education in law. So I feel like everything needs to be centered around that. I need to do a podcast around it. But then going back to what you just said, maybe they're not in love with that message or in love with the clients that they're currently working with. So can you kind of like, tell us what it was like to make a move? Cause you know, you've transitioned from just uh, people that own yoga studios or yoga businesses to, you know, something else. And then now you're, you've shifted again. So Was there a moment where you were like, okay, I think that I want to move here and it was like a hard pivot or was it something that happened more organically? 
Yeah, I think for me it happened more organically. A couple just things that that help people understand like the way I operate. I am definitely in the belief that my business is a co-creation with my clients and my community. So I'm always listening to them, always paying attention to what they're asking me about. I'm paying attention to where they're engaging with me and what conversations are getting them really excited. So that always has helped me figure out what my next step is. I'm like, whoa, they're really into when I talk about productivity or when I talk about planning. I didn't ever think I would talk about those things as much as I do, but I put it out there into the world and they were like, oh, this, this is amazing. I want more of this from you. So I've always kind of leaned into that and paying attention to what my community wants, what what they're telling me um, to direct everything from my brand to my message to what type of content I put out there. Um, that's really a huge thing for me. I'm also kind of a slow and steady person. Like I don't ever really take anything like as a hard left in my business. And there's a few reasons for that. Like one, I'm the solo breadwinner for my family. My husband left his job uh, seven years ago now to be a stay-at-home dad. Um, So I can't afford (laughs) to do anything that would jeopardize my family. And I feel like that's a very real concern, right? Like it's easy to be like, oh, just pivot. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) If we're pivoting anything, I've got to take the time and make sure it's what my clients want. It's what my community wants. And I like to really think through it and make sure that this is going to be in alignment with me. So you won't find me ever making huge shifts, but over the last 13 years running this business, I mean, there have been definitely like the big one for me was shifting from the yogipreneur to Rachel Cook. It took me about a year and a half to make that shift because I went through a process with myself first, making sure I was getting really clear on what I wanted and who I wanted to serve and how this was different than what I had been doing before. And I hired some coaches and strategists to help me make that transition. And then when we decided to shift to the CEO collective, that this has been a three-year process, um, just kind of paying attention and trying a couple things out in kind of small experiments, but not in a you know hard left turn type of way. So it's all been iterative. It's all been collaborative and co-creative with me and my community, I think. I love that. And I've never heard it explained that way, but that's, I think, the best approach to business is that co-collaboration, co-creativity with your audience. Because, oh my gosh, if you just keep showing up and serving your people, you know, instead of saying, no, I'm not going to add anything new or, you know, I know you keep asking for this, but I'm just going to ignore you. (laughs) I'm just going to keep delivering the same thing over and over. And it's like, Come on, guys. Like you gotta, you gotta let you know, give give us something. Yeah. Give us something new or give us something that keeps us coming back over and over again. So I I love that explanation. But you know, you talked about starting your podcast and having a podcast and these online things that other people weren't doing at the time. So my first question is: what year did you start your podcast? So it depends on which one we're talking about, because I did have a podcast for the Yogipreneur called Yogipreneur Radio. That was my first experience doing a podcast myself. Um, And so that one started in about 2012 until about 2014. And then I launched what the podcast that I have now originally as Get Fired Up and Focused, because I have a free productivity challenge called Fired Up and Focused. And 
after I had run that challenge in 2014, in January of 2014, um, it was originally a 28 day challenge. So I sat down and turned all of those challenges into 28 podcast episodes and then launched it all as like a podcast series of the challenge. Um, but I've kept, that's been the main one that I've been focused on. It's now called promote yourself to CEO. We've been through three name changes <laughs> since 2014. Okay. Um, it went from get fired up and focused to um, uncomplicate your business. And now it's promote yourself to CEO. Oh, I love this so much, Rachel. Like you don't even understand because so many people are terrified that they're going to pick a name for their podcast or pick the artwork. And they're like, I just cannot move forward with this one thing because if I do this wrong, I'm going to fail and I can't change anything in the future. So I feel like you just gave so many people a gift in telling them it's okay to change things up. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. I can tell everybody, I don't like my artwork at all, but it's there and it works and it's fine. Um, this is one of those things where we can get in our little you know, top secret entrepreneur lab where we just want to tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak. But at the end of the day, the artwork doesn't matter that much. Like me putting out new art is not going to make a massive impact in anything in my business. Um, it just needs a piece of art there <laughs> so that people can be like, oh yeah, that's Rach. We're good. It's not a big deal. And I have renamed the podcast several times. Um, the first time, because I felt like, yeah, it wasn't just productivity. I needed to to kind of encompass more of what I was doing. But um, over the last few years, I started this event called um, the CEO retreat in January of 2018. It was an experiment. It did not fit in with anything else that was like strategically going on in my business. But I was like, oh, let's host this one day planning retreat. And it became the thing that my clients responded to so strongly that I was like, oh, okay, maybe we're onto something. And then they asked for more of it. So I went on another journey where I was like, okay, let's go figure out what's going on here. What is it that's resonating with people? And I found that calling in women to stand into this next level of leadership, letting them know, like, you don't have to be in a corner office. You don't have to wear a three-piece suit. You don't have to be Sarah Blakely in order to be a CEO, but you do need the mindset shift. You need to step into that leadership if your business is going to really hit the level of success you're looking for. It really changed the game. It called in women who were really serious about their business and who were really serious about making sure that it was truly aligned for them. Um, so that's when we decided we were going to rename it. And I have to tell you the year that we renamed it, it was, um, 2019. So 18 months after I first had that event and I renamed it, I did a whole series to launch the new, like renamed version. And our podcast listens went up by double that month Wow! because I think the name was just resonating so deeply with people. And again, it came from my community. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I just, I love that your, you know, your community is so involved with your process, with your podcast and just listening to them. And I, that's awesome. Like, I'm so excited. Yeah. I had a similar experience. I had another podcast. I rebranded. And I mean, I love showing people. I have a graph. I can show them where it was like kind of just steadily flat. And then I rebranded, changed content, and then just goes whoosh, like straight up. Because Yeah, like, oh, totally. I hit it. I hit it. <laughs> so this is so fun. This is such a great conversation. But I want to switch gears for a second because I know I was poking around on your website and really looking at how you help female entrepreneurs. And I noticed that you know, you get really like highly 
focused on what kind of season that entrepreneurs are in in their business. And I wanted to ask you a question as it like as it concerning content, you know, because that's what we talk about here, right? This podcast is all about podcasting, creating messages that really resonate with your audience. So if you are talking to entrepreneurs in certain seasons of their business, is there a different type of content approach that you would give to someone who is, say, just starting out? They're just getting like they're in that, okay, I got to get some clarity and really figure out my audience and get some focus or someone who is a little bit more seasoned and they're just trying to grow and scale. Like, what are your thoughts about content for the different type of entrepreneur? So I don't know. I might have some controversial thoughts here. And my first thought is for super early stage, startup stage, getting stuck in content first might prevent you from getting to that first sale or those first clients. (laughs) And I say that because I hear often that people say things like, you need to build an email list to this size, or it used to be in the blogging days, like you need to have this many blogs on your site before you can launch or whatever. And I just don't think that's true. I think a lot of times, if you put your business out there and focus on just getting in front of people and having real connections with people, you can get those first few clients without getting into the whole content creation world a ton. Once you get those first few clients though, and you've actually got paying clients who are giving you feedback, those are the most important ones because people who are just giving you feedback, but they're never going to buy, you're just going to attract more people like that. You're just going to attract more people who are happy to listen and happy to criticize or you know, give you insight into what they think. But unless they're going to actually hand over their visa card, like their advice, their thoughts, you don't really need to focus on it. You need to focus on paid clients first. Once you get into the, I say this is stage two. So like the success stage, you have clients coming in and you're trying to shift from getting clients in a very high touch one-on-one type of way into marketing one-to-many where you can use a podcast or you can use social media or things like that. I tend to design my content very specifically. If you follow my podcast, you will see that I do a specific series leading up to an enrollment of whatever the offer is. And it's all always this. It's always an, a series of content, three to six pieces of content that lead up to enrolling into a specific program. And I think this is really important because often I hear people who are creating content And it's kind of scattershot. It's like they don't actually have a strategy to get the sales they're looking for out of their content. But again, I'm not interested in just providing content for the sake of content. I'm interested in providing content that brings in paying clients. So I want to make sure that it's all taking people on this customer journey from the moment they find my podcast all the way through the end of the content. They're like, oh, this was great. What's my next step? I'm now going to go work with Rachel. So that's the biggest thing. I think if you're in that success stage, don't get trapped in the, well, I need to just keep coming up with random ideas and random content. You need to be thinking about where are you taking people? What is the end result? And then work backwards to build a series that helps those people go through the buyer readiness journey, the customer experience journey, so that they're ready to buy from you. 
Oh, this is so good. So good. And I know that there's somebody listening right now that really needed to hear that because this is such an important thing that I don't think we talk about enough because for me with podcasting and content creation, I am in the weeds most of the time because I do put out a ton of content and I think that I don't come up enough for air to tell my audience, oh, by the way, there's a strategy to all the things that I'm doing behind the scenes. So it's like so meta, right? I podcast about podcasting and I live podcasting. So it's like, I get really meta, but like on the back end, there is a strategy to each piece of content that I'm creating. And I don't always kind of pull back the curtain and share with my audience all the things. But I think that you bring up a really important point that we should discuss more on this podcast. And it's, there's strategy to it. I have Rachel on the show today specifically because I think that everything that she shares, her business, her podcast, and the message that she has will resonate with this audience. That is a strategy. I don't like to bring people on this show that don't align because y'all are going to leave. Y'all won't come back. I want y'all to come back and I want y'all to go listen to Rachel's podcast. So this was so helpful. I think that this part of the conversation, like you just, you gave me more content ideas on how to be more strategic with my content. So yeah, it's all multi-layered here. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think this is where, and I actually have a little quick process I can, I can share to help people go through the buyer readiness journey. This is based in marketing psychology If you have never heard of that, just Google it. Google um, buyer readiness journey. And it's all about taking people from being unaware of the solution that you have to aware of the solution that you have. So taking them all the way from, oh, I have a problem that I need solved to, okay, now I understand the solution and this is how I can fix it to, oh, their solution is the right solution for me. So we actually have to take them through that whole psychological journey. And this is nothing that we don't go through each and every one of us. Like every single thing you buy, you're going through this process, whether you realize it or not. So when we align our marketing to it and our content to it, it can be incredibly powerful. So I do this by always opening a series with what I call the opportunity. This is all about helping people see why this series is going to be relevant and useful for them. If you can't help people see why this is relevant, they're not going to pay attention. They're just going to kind of edutain themselves with your content. So they need to understand why this actual problem that you're going to address in this series is important and relevant, and they need to take action to correct it soon. Then I get into content that could be either the myths, so things that are kind of the um, myths in the industry that people might believe about their problems, or the mistakes. If you can do a piece of content around the myths or the mistakes around solving this problem, one, it positions you as an expert that you can be like, hey, here's the common myths in this industry. Here are the common mistakes people make trying to solve this problem. It also helps your listener to start being like, oh, okay, I want to avoid all of those. And it builds that trust. Then we get into a piece that I call the mindset shift. This is a hard one for me because I'm not a mindset coach. I am very much a strategist, but there's going to be things that your listeners need to believe about themselves and about you in order to take the next step. And I think if we don't connect the dots here, we'll have a lot of people who are like, that sounds nice, but I could never do that. So we need to help them understand that mindset shift and really empower them to feel confident in themselves that they could make a difference. They could implement the solution that you're about to share with them. The final piece is the small win. And this is the how-to piece. 
This is where I think a lot of content creators and podcasters get kind of messed up is they're so focused on how to, they forget about all these other types of content that when you're so focused on how to, people are like, great, I got it. I don't need to actually hire you. And if you've ever had that experience where people like your podcast is awesome, but they like, they're super fans about your show, but they never come over to hire you. Maybe we need to dial back the small win and focus on some of the other pieces. But the small win is all about helping them feel confident that they could take the first step or helping them feel confident, like having an overview of your process and how you can help them solve that problem. They could be like, oh, okay, I see how that works now. Cool. That makes sense for me. Yes. Oh my gosh, y'all. Like, I hope that you understand this. If you are brand new to content creation, Rachel just dropped so much. Like, I hope go back and listen to that. Go back and listen to exactly what she just said, because this was one of my first mistakes when I rebranded this podcast is that is all that I did for the first probably 20 episodes that were brand new. I mean, you can go back and look, it was how to start a podcast, how to launch a podcast, how to market a podcast. So it was like, basically all of my trade secrets right there in the beginning. And then I was like, where do I go from here? Like, I felt like I gave everything away. And then it made me very nervous as a content creator. Like, why would anybody hire me to do anything? And then now I've since totally pivoted my content and changed things up. But what you just said was so, so helpful. So I I know that a lot of people, it's going to resonate with them. But I have a question about Mm -hmm. logistics with your series, because that's really interesting me that, um, so whenever I'm planning content, I typically like look at it by quarter. I'm like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have three months and a quarter. What am I promoting each month? And then I strategize my content that way, but you're talking about series. So do you do a series and then take a break from maybe, or do you just hop right into the next promotional strategy that you have? Yeah, I, pretty much have every month there's a series going out. (laughs) So um, I sometimes take a break and that's been my own learning lesson here along, along the line that it's okay to take a break. It won't like make or break your podcast guys. It really won't. I took two weeks off over the holidays and I was so nervous. I was like, should I do an old episode? But it was totally fine. Um, So yeah, I pretty much go every single month as a series going out. And the reason I do that is because we have shifted our sales process. So every month, we are enrolling into the next month's cohort of our our program, the CEO Collective. So every month there's a series. It'll be anywhere from four to six episodes, and it'll fit right into our promotional calendar. I love that. I love that. I think that's super smart too for anyone. Um, and it was funny because I listened to, I was telling Rachel, I was listening to an interview that she did on the Business Unveiled podcast recently, and y'all were talking about the live launch model was like detrimental to so many businesses last year because they were so dependent on that quick Mm -hmm. influx of cash. And if it wasn't a good time or there was something crazy going on in the world, which what didn't happen in the world last year, you know, all the craziness. And so I, I like this approach because it's like, you're constantly working on that next promotion, not just saying, okay, I'm gonna just do it once a year and I'm gonna cross my fingers that it's the right time, that there's not a pandemic or there's not something else crazy going on. Like, So can yep. you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and this is something that we actually shifted two years ago. Um, if you remember the 2016 election, 
<laughs> that almost killed me. Um, it was a hard year to be a business owner if you were running a launch model. As we went into the fall of 2016, normally I had previously done a big launch in September and then a big launch in January. Well, by the time September rolled around, I could not compete on Facebook ads at all. Um, the super PACs were way out spending me. It was the first election ever they had been spending money on social media or anything like that. Um, and so it completely cut my launch numbers in half. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do here? And then we got into, you know, the election and then the inauguration. And by the inauguration, half of probably half of my clients were in DC in the women's march. So I was like, well, okay, it's time to move to a slightly different sales model where I'm not depending on the the cash flow from three things, I from three big sales um, pushes a year. So we decided to shift to more of an evergreen model. Um, and then right now we're kind, it's kind of a hybrid. Like every month we have a kind of a live promotion period, um, but every month we're selling something. And that has changed the game for me. It really has. Because instead of, like you said, putting everything into just one or two big launches. Like now there's always an opportunity for people to work with me and people to buy something from me, but how we make that sustainable. Cause this is how I know a lot of people get worried is one, we keep it really simple. Um, and we focus on how the world has changed in sales. So it used to be in the old days of online marketing, um, which was like, you know, 10 years ago, <laughs> it was very much like you put everything behind a, an opt-in page. Like people couldn't get into your launch until they'd given you a name and an email. And then you push them through this whole funnel. Um, and then you're just going to hit them hard with emails and everything. And I kind of didn't love that. I felt like it got really hard um, on the entrepreneurs because it meant for that period, you were just going like a thousand percent. It was really hard on teams. And I was like, you know what? I think people are different now. There's a lot more options for people to get support from people like me, from really any person who's a service provider or a coach or a course creator. So if you're just waiting um, around for only a few times a year, your potential clients might go work with someone else because their doors are closed. So we decided to shift to more of a wait list version of that, where we have the content going out, our content's evergreen. It's on the podcast. We're keeping people on the platform where they are interested in being. So we know um, that once people find our podcast, they binge listen to it. They see that we do series, they'll listen to the whole series. They'll come from the podcast to getting some of our free content. And they'll also hear all the time what we have to offer. So our goal is to keep everybody going through the content before we even ask for an email, before we make a, a pitch for our offer, um, they'll know what we have to offer because it's integrated into the podcast episodes to all the podcast episodes. But I'm not going to like lock away all my best stuff into a, a launch um, system. Instead, I just want to make it readily available for people and know that they're going to be curious if it's helping them. If they're interested, they'll take the next step to either come to my website or go to Instagram. At the end of every episode, I tell people to connect with me on Instagram and they do. So I know it's more of an ecosystem now, as opposed to like a very linear funnel. The idea of anything linear in business is not true. <laughs> it's an ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so the more that you can kind of embrace that, the easier it'll be. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're totally speaking my language because that's exactly what I did in 2019. I shifted, or no, sorry. At the end of 2019 is when I realized I really wanted to push more towards an evergreen funnel. I did it last year and I'm still working out some kinks, you know, here and there, but it's like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the way to go. I really feel very strongly about that. So we are totally on the same page. The question that I have is about, you know, did, does it, did it make you nervous? Like when you're, you're sitting here, you're like, okay, I have this crossroads. It's 2016. And you're like, okay, I want to, I want to shift again. You know, we've talked so much about shifting, but I think it's important to talk about those moments because it's like, well, what, what's my other option? It's like, I, I'd launch again and you know, I I hope that it works or I'm just going to go all in on this model because I know it works or what was your mindset behind that? Yeah. I'm I'm kind of looking for the bo- the best of both worlds. Like we still know that doing a full launch to your warm audience is always going to get better results than a cold funnel, like cold traffic to an evergreen system. So I'm always thinking, how can I make sure I'm always in front of a warm audience? And that's why having a podcast is so great because they're warm. They're really excited to take the next step with you. Um, so we kind of have it where we will do a promotion to our entire list at least three or four times a year where they're getting everything. Like they're getting all the emails, all the invitations to join us usually right before the upcoming um, CEO retreat. So at the time we're recording this, we have a CEO retreat happening in March. So in February we'll be doing a big public enrollment for the CEO collective and the CEO retreat. But in between we're continuing evergreen, just putting people on the wait list and then opening the wait list the last week of the month. So it, it gives us a nice balance there where a few times a year, we'll make sure that the people who are sitting on our list haven't forgotten they can join us because we know from experience from tracking our data that sometimes it takes people six months to a year before they feel ready. And that's okay. No problem. I want to make sure that I, I don't do them or myself a disservice by not telling them when they can enroll. Um, so we always make sure that we're telling everybody at least a few times a year, but the rest of the time, it's kind of just a system working behind the scenes. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to make an assumption here, but I'm guessing that someone who has been following you, they've been listening to your podcast, they're probably going to get better results than someone who just comes in totally cold and they're like, uh, I'm just learning about Rachel. I don't know her whole background. I don't know her principles and her values. And so is is that a correct yep. assumption? Absolutely. Like the, the kind of automated funnels we have right now. Um, one is a challenge to plan your best year ever. It's a five day challenge that's also available on the podcast. It was what we did the entire month of November. So basically we're now running that as an automated funnel, um, because we know that people need that much. They need five episodes. They need to hear my voice a few times. They need to go through this process with me before they're ready. So we don't do kind of a one-time funnel where it's like, here's a 50 minute webinar and now hand over thousands of dollars. I'm like, no, I'm going to give you a lot of time to get to know me because I want them to feel comfortable that working with me is the right fit. Oh, this is so good. I I have a feeling that people are going to go back and listen to this episode over and over again because you just gave so much wisdom. Thank you so much. But I want to switch gears for a second and ask you, are you up for some rapid fire questions? Okay. <laughs> okay, so go for know, it. Well, you throw it at me, so I, I guess I'm going to have to be. I okay. guess we are. <laughs> These are going to be painless. I promise. I promise. They're fun. So what piece of advice would you give to a brand new podcaster? 
just start. Don't complicate it with thinking you need lots of equipment or editing software or any of those things. When I started my podcast, I literally recorded it on my um, MacBook without a microphone and I didn't know how to edit anything. So I didn't, I just recorded it in one take and uploaded it and that was it. And that's what I needed to get started. So just get started. That's so good. Yes. Yes. That's so awesome. Okay. My next question is a two-part question. So the first one is, what is the dream podcast you would love to be on? And who is your dream podcast guest you would love to interview? Ooh, dream podcast I would love to be on. Um, I would love to be on Amy Porterfield's show. (laughs) So Amy, if you're listening, hello. Um, She's amazing. And I, I really respect her and her business model. So I would love to be on her show. Dream guest is interesting for me because I don't really have many guests on my show. So I would actually have to say um, for my show, my dream guest would probably be somebody like Brene Brown. Um, I am obsessed with her newest pod. She released two podcasts last year um, with Spotify and her Dare to Lead podcast is just blowing my mind. And I would love to talk with her about the business side of things, even though I know she is, isn't just like super love being in the business side of things, but her business fascinates me. I think she's amazing. Um, I would love to interview her. Oh, that's such a good one. I've read all her books. I'm so like quick story when she released is it, I think it was Braving the Wilderness. She spoke at my sister-in-law's church in Austin. And I was mortified that I could not go. And my sister-in-law, she was like, I went, I was crying in the front row. And I was like, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. Okay. I didn't get to go with you. I don't even want to hear about it. So I'm just super jealous. So yeah, I'm huge Brene Brown. I would love I would love to see her. Oh my gosh. Okay. So my last question for you is, do you consider yourself a perfectionist? I consider myself a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) I think um, this is something that I'm constantly bumping up against. This has been a huge part of my own personal development, personal growth journey has been taking the pressure off and as an entrepreneur, I've had to embrace the idea that, you know, we got to fail fast. We got to keep moving. We got to put things out there. They might not be a hundred percent the way that we want. We might always have a list of things we'd like to improve, but it's important to just keep going. So I'm a recovering perfectionist. Oh my gosh. Maybe that's an Enneagram three thing. Cause that's what I say uh-huh. about myself too. <laughs> like I'm a recovering perfectionist a hundred percent. Oh my gosh, Rachel, this conversation today has been so awesome. And I know, okay, you talked about your retreat. So tell us a little bit more about that because it, did you do one last year that was virtual or did you, is this your first virtual event that you're doing for it? Well, thanks to 2020, everything's virtual now. No, we've we've hosted the CEO retreat quarterly for the past um, three years. This is going into year four of hosting this one-day event. So we have one coming up in March where we help women entrepreneurs and small business owners to sit down and create their 90-day plan to stay focused and follow through on achieving their goals. So that's coming up soon. I'm really excited about it. We have been hosting these virtually. I do miss hosting them in person as well. And hopefully when the world is ready to open back up again, I'll be able to have, you know, another 50 people in a room like we used to. But 
as it stands, we have been doing them virtually, but it's still a great experience to sit down with a group of people and work on your business instead of just in it. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. And I'm just so grateful for all the wisdom that you share with us here today. So where can everybody find you and connect with you online? Yeah, you can find me at my website, rachelcook.com. You can find my podcast, Promote Yourself to CEO. And if you got anything out of this episode, any ahas or insights, make sure you take a quick screenshot on your phone and share with me over on Instagram. You can tag me at rachel.cook. I would love to hear from anybody listening what they got out of today's episode. Yes. And we'll have all of Rachel's links in the show notes so you can find them there. But Rachel, thank you again so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of your insights and wisdom with us. Thanks for having me. So what did you think? I told you, I told you it was going to be a fantastic conversation. And I'm just so excited about all the things that Rachel is doing in her business and to help women on their entrepreneurial journey. And I just, I loved hearing her story and all the nuggets of wisdom that she had to share with us today. So make sure you go check her out. All the links that we talked about in today's episode are in the show notes. So head on over to crystalprofit.com slash episode 228. And if this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Tell me what you loved about this episode. Tell me what you loved about Rachel's truth bombs that she dropped and all the wisdom that she shared with us here today. So again, go to crystalprofit.com slash episode 228. And as always, remember, keep it up. We all have to start somewhere. Somewhere.